Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi everyone and welcome back to the Umrpreneur live podcast and on this very special episode I have with me brother Asad Masood brother Asad assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh it's an honor and a pleasure to have you brother and just to kind of share with our guests a little bit more about yourself uh, so they can get to know you better so brother Asad is actually one of the founders of Arabic Unlocked and Arabic Unlocked, what they're doing is they're leading the way for language learners to unlock the Arabic language. And they do this through a mobile app. They have learning programs as well as ebooks that are ideal for second language learners. And today we're here to talk about the journey behind creating the app, the education company at Arabic Unlocked, and as well, all of the lessons learned along the way. So this is going to be a really insightful episode. We're going to have a lot to share with you guys. Um, and I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of value uh, that you're going to get out of it, inshallah. So for the rest of it, I love to start every episode with uh, kind of sharing with people your background story of what is it that inspired you to even become an entrepreneur, to start your own business and to start Arabic Unlocked. Yeah, so firstly, Jazakallah Khairan for having me. It's a pleasure to be My here. Pleasure. And uh, assalamu alaikum to everybody watching. Um, it's a good question uh, in terms of what got me into entre entrepreneurship. I can't even say the word. Um, to be honest, it's always been a matter of uh, probably since I was young, uh, I've never really knew what I wanted to do. So I was always asked, what do you want to be when you're older? And I would you probably every time give a different answer. Um, we got to uh, high school. Uh, we got to college. Uh, in college, here we apply. So I think our college is the equivalent of your university. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like the end of high school. Uh, we had to apply for university at the time. And even then, um, everybody was kind of clear on where they wanted to go into and what field and what they wanted to become. Uh, I was still very unclear on that. I, I basically didn't know. Um, is that At that time, the only thing I knew for a fact is that I wanted to learn Arabic. Right. Um, so I went studied Arabic in the center of France, actually, in an institute in the center of France. Um, came back, still didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, started studying astrophysics at university. Um, after a couple of months, realized, why am I doing astrophysics? I don't want to be doing this. Uh, I don't plan on going into this. And subhanAllah, from there, worked a couple of different jobs, tried a few different things, and honestly, kind of just fell, fell into this. Um, tried a few different ventures, did a bit of e-commerce online. Uh, and it was when I sat down with a friend, my co-founder, Ahmed, um, and we kind of spoke about, he'd been trying a few different things as well. We said, why don't we do something together? And that was kind of the start of the idea for Arabic Unlocked. Mm -hmm. So what is it specifically about starting a company, teaching the Arabic language that motivated you? Because there's a lot of, uh, you know, Arabic teachers and, and especially Arabic tutors online. So what is it for you that made you feel like, you know what, there's still a lack in this industry or there's a lack in this market and, and there's a gap that we want to fill? And what specifically was the gap that you found? So the the initial, the, where, where it actually started was we were focusing on younger children. Um, so mm -hmm. we saw a huge gap in the kind of kids' Islamic education space. Um, we, we found an app called... Um, actually, I'm not going to plug them because we don't want to promote <laughs> it, but we found an app that was... <laughs> Uh, for the purpose of teaching the Bible. Um, mm. And it was huge. And it had like, I think, 10 or 50 million downloads or something. Right. Um, and when we were looking at the equivalent for teaching the Quran or teaching Arabic to Muslim kids, there were some apps, but they were very poorly made, very low quality. So that's actually where we started focused on kids. Um, but once we got the ball rolling, we realized, okay, this is going to be very expensive, uh, very, co you know, not the most cost effective thing to do if we're going to be making nasheeds and animations and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we saw the same problem with adults as well. Um, so although 
initially the the plan was to and the plan still is to go back into younger age kids um we decided okay let's start by focusing on adults uh, the parents and that kind of stuff uh, and then we can prog- progress back into kids uh, later down the line okay and you have an interesting story with the arabic language as well right and uh you know you just mentioned a little a little part of it right now but i want to dive into it what is it specifically that even inspired you to fall in love with this arabic language and to then want to teach it to others is there a specific moment or something that happened in in your life that made you feel that way yeah i mean there there's accumulation of different things so i remember i remember from a very young age my dad used to drag me to the tarawih prayers during ramadan um and i always used to just think we stood here for like two hours and the imam's reading and what is he saying um yeah. and especially during like the nights where the imam would start crying and the, the person next to me would start crying and i'm like why is everybody crying um <laughs> so that that was planted in me from a young age uh, and then i think the time i actually decided you know what i'm gonna learn arabic is when i went to umrah um in 2007 or 2008 so i was i was quite young i was still in high school at the time um and it was a similar thing so we it was actually during ramadan that we went to umrah same thing, stood then Tarawih, Imam's crying. And I remember specifically the guy next to me was absolutely in tears, bawling, crying. Mm. And um yeah, I, I thought I wanna I wanna be like him. <laughs> um or at yeah, least wanna yeah. know why he's crying. Like he's obviously understanding something that I'm not. Um so that's when I first decided that you know what? And I actually said to myself that next time I come back here, whenever that is, inshallah, I want to be able to understand what the Imam is saying. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where it started for me. Okay, beautiful, mashallah. So it came from like a, almost like a, you know, this desire to not, to un- as you mentioned, not only connect with uh, the Quran and, and and what's being said, but also to understand it, to grasp it, and to exactly. really know what's being said, not just repeat the words or the syllables. And exactly. and then you decided to go on to start Arabic Unlocked. What was the first thing that you decided to to launch to create this company to create this business? You know, it's two guys who got together to like, all right, we want to build this thing. You have this grand vision. Where did you start? So I, the whole, I my initial goal behind Arabic Unlocked and the idea was because I had come from a non-Arab background. I didn't know any Arabic, uh, and I did study Arabic, so I fully understood how hard it can be, um, what kind of things people are looking for that currently don't exist, and and that kind of stuff. Um, so the goal was kind of to make all the stuff that I wished existed when I started studying Arabic myself. Um, so I believe the first thing we actually launched was a course, which is now has now evolved into our language mastery course, which is yeah. uh, it's not actually a course on teaching Arabic. It's actually a course on how to learn Arabic. Um, so we actually teach a lot of the principles to do with generally with language learning and um, kind of motivation and maintaining your motivation which is probably the biggest factor in deciding if you're going to pass or fail in succeeding at learning arabic um and then we spoke a lot about uh, specific language learning techniques that i'd learned from looking at how polyglots have managed mm-hmm. to learn seven eight nine ten languages right. um, so we actually developed a course on that first and then alhamdulillah the feedback was really good but people were just saying okay once we've done all this where do we go to learn arabic uh, and we were kind of we thought okay Maybe we should make a course teaching people Arabic now. Right. Um, so from there, then the ebooks followed, and then the the actual academy, uh, which is now the academy, followed. Okay, I understand. And you know, a lot of people want to create courses. They want to build these businesses where you know they they are trying to teach 
someone how to achieve a certain goal or how to uh, overcome a certain problem or solve a certain problem in their lives. And for a lot of the entrepreneurs and business owners that listen to this podcast, that might be one of their business ideas. What are some of, what was your process that you had to go through to create these courses? How did you structure them? And, and what, what are maybe some tips or some advice that you can give to people who are listening to this who are thinking of getting into the education business, right? Educating someone, helping them, helping teach them uh, how to achieve a certain goal, how to learn something, a certain topic, et cetera. Yeah, I think it, it starts from having a very deep understanding of what the problem uh, your customer or your student is facing. Uh, so yeah. for me, that was easy because I was previously the student. Uh, so I could relate very much to all the issues that they're facing, all the struggles. Yeah. Um, what re And I also understood what the solutions to them problems were because I'd experienced them. I'd had to find solutions in the past myself. I'd had, I'd had to create them or I'd had to go find them or just settle for what already existed. But I knew what I wanted to exist at the time. Um, so if you are looking to get into the education space, and this, to be honest, applies to any business, um, it starts with having a very deep understanding of what the problem is. Um, mm. And that's why a lot of the time it helps to be a user of the product. As they say, if you scratch your own itch, um, you end up building the best companies. Right, definitely. So you start really the beginning is to really understand the problem at its core and really develop an understanding of the niche. What did you guys do to, do, to, to be able to accomplish that? Yeah, so like I said, for me, it was easy because I'd come from that background and I'd studied mm -hmm. Arabic as a, as a non-native. Um, and then after that, I'd gone on to teach Arabic for, before launching Arabic Unlocked for a number of years, probably five years I'd been teaching Arabic. And I saw students struggling with the same problems as me and also some students struggling with completely new things that I wasn't aware of. Because right. everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses. Um, some things I found easy, actually, other people really struggle with. Uh, right. So if we're talking about Arabic, for example, grammar is an acquired taste. Some people really love and enjoy grammar, and some people absolutely hate it. Right. Um, so making it easy for everybody was a challenge, because first you have to understand, right, or these are the different types of students. These are the different ways that they learn. Um, these are the different challenges that they face. And then you have to come up with solutions for all of them. Right, definitely. And so then you've went on uh, to also create an app, right? The Arabic Unlocked app, mashallah, which is, um, you know, something that you guys have now launched. So it's actually launched and it's ready to use. People can download it. They can benefit from it. What was that process like? Because a lot of people, when they look at creating uh, an th thinking of creating an app or, you know, oh, I have this app idea, right? They get all excited. But then when it comes to, oh my God, I have to learn how to code or like hire an agency and it starts to get very complex and overwhelming. So... For you guys, what was your approach to, to building and launching your app? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, so like you said, the app is is one of them things that maybe is looks a bit, uh, what's the word here, maybe glamorous on the outside. Right. Um, but on the when you're actually doing it and when you're in the trenches, it's not not glamorous at all. So okay. um, the, the process for us was we actually, we were hesitant on the idea of an app. We said, okay, there's some apps that already exist in this field. Um, some for teaching Arabic, some for teaching languages in general. Um, so we did question, was there a need specifically for this? But again, feedback from students in, in our courses and in the academy and just from general market research, we found, okay, there's still a lot of things that these apps, although good in and of themselves, are not addressing and not uh, fulfilling in terms of uh, needs of users. So we thought, okay, we can definitely add value um, and mm -hmm. we're not just going to be making another app that already exists. And this is definitely right. going to be a, an addition to what's already out there. 
Um, so once once we'd agreed on that, then the actual process of making the app, um, yeah, it's it's not as hard as you might think, but it's also not as easy as you might think. Uh, depends on what you currently think. So we um, we non-technical founders. So I'm not a programmer. Um, right. I. I have coded in the past. I can I can do some stuff, but I'm not an app developer. Uh, likewise, Ahmed, my co-founder, is uh, he has a background in in mechanical engineering and also in artificial intelligence, but he's also not right. uh, not a coder. So mm-hmm. uh, we had to go find somebody to code the app. Uh, we actually used an outsourced team to begin with. Um, that and itself is, was a challenge. Sorry, what does that process look like? Sorry to cut you off, but just to kind of because that you're you're sharing like a, here a beneficial tidbit that I know someone listening to this might be like, oh wait, how does that work? Like outsource? Did you guys go and interview a few agencies? Did you go on Google? Yeah. What was your process like? Yeah, so like I said, if you want to break it down, there's really two options. You either do it yourself or you get somebody to do it. Right. Um. So we had to find somebody to do it because we couldn't do it ourselves. So we yeah. now in terms of who you're going to find, you're either going to find an individual which you're going to hire in-house or you're going to have mm-hmm. an agency that you work alongside who you hire kind of outsourced to. Um, so because we were bootstrapped, meaning we hadn't taken any outside investment, it's not yeah. wise to try and hire somebody that you you don't have at least 12 months of cash to pay their wages. Um, so we worked with an agency. Um, there's pros and cons to both, but agencies have a lot of pros, providing you find the right one. So it's literally a matter of, like with anything, you just do a bit of research, a bit of Googling, yeah. Make a shortlist, put up a job post. So we used Upwork, um, mainly Upwork. There were a couple of other ones, but nothing came off them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, put up a few posts, did a, did a lot of research and kind of contacted a few people, had phone calls and conversations, and then shortlisted. And in, in the end, you just have to pick one. Right. And that, that process is uh, scary for many entrepreneurs. When I talk to my students, uh, and when we talk about like outsourcing, processing, hiring, it always feels a little daunting. But after you went through it um, and you ended up launching the app, how, how was your experience? Do you feel like someone listening to this could go on websites like Upwork, put up a posting, an interview, and hire someone pretty easily? Or do you feel like it was a difficult task? It was very was it easier or harder than you thought? <laughs> um, upon reflection, it's a lot easier than I initially thought. However, yeah. what I would say is in terms of what, um, maybe didn't go as well as could have gone. Uh, and this would be useful information for, for the listeners and for myself, if I could talk to myself maybe two years ago, is it's very different that you kind of feel inferior in this process when you're hiring someone. You think, oh, they're the agency, they're the experienced one. You kind of feel like it's a job interview. You have to realize you're the one interviewing them. Um, right. And once the work commences, you're the one managing them and they're accountable to you. Um, so if you need to set deadlines and demand things and you need to do that, you're going to get, a lot of these agencies as well, you're going to get out of them as much as you demand of them. Um, they're not going to be right. proactive most of the time um, in pushing for deadlines and pushing for more features and, and maximizing your investment, essentially. So yeah, um, that's some of that. I, it definitely took a while to kind of realize, wait a minute, I'm paying these guys. I'm hiring these guys. They they work for us, essentially. So yeah, they're not the ones in... Because con- we were kind of at their mercy for a while. Um, they would say, sorry, we can't do this. So we're not going to do this. And we were like, okay, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. We'll just change our plans. Um, but you kind of need to put your foot down from the start. Right. I understand completely. That's that's a good tip, actually, because, you know, you might feel like, oh, because I don't have enough experience. I don't know what I can do and I can do. That's where as a business owner, you shouldn't be afraid to demand for what it is you're looking for. And eventually you'll find the right person to be able to deliver on that on, on yeah. that ask, right? Um, so you went on to, alhamdulillah, go ahead and actually outsource and you've created the app. 
what has been the challenges that you faced as an online education company, right? You're helping people learn the Arabic language. So one, one of the most complex languages um, in the world. How did you, or what kind of challenges did you face and how did you overcome them in terms of education, in terms of, you know, trying to accomplish that goal with your students? Yeah, again, very good question. Um, I think this is still a kind of work in progress, um, mm -hmm. but definitely some of the challenges is um, understanding users and their individual challenges. So like I said before, yeah, I can relate and I do understand quite well the challenges in general that users face and obviously based on my experience, right. but everybody has their own first person subjective experience with, with these things. Um, everybody's at a different stage in life. They have different backgrounds and kind of understanding that and figuring out how to help everybody um, is, is a challenge. Um, and because we're an international company, we obviously have to then take into account people's backgrounds and where, where they're based, um, time zones, um, what their first language is. It's very different teaching somebody Arabic via English when English is their second language. Um, so we found that to be a challenge. And inshallah, our plan is to, um, to kind of optimize that process and expand so that we're teaching people directly in their mother tongue. Uh, but right. for the timing, it's, it's in English. So we have a lot of kind of Malaysian, Indonesians, people from Singapore, um, students who English is a second language. So now they're learning Arabic via English. So that is a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so kind of uh, adapting to that and uh, tailoring for the needs of our students has been a challenge. But alhamdulillah, we're, we're trying to work on this actively every day and, and keep improving. Right, inshallah, definitely. And I think I can attest to it as well. One of the challenges... Uh, that we face as an as an education company when it comes to helping train and mentor our students is really trying to provide kind of like an environment where we can keep them motivated and inspired to continue doing the work. I think that is one of the biggest challenges when you have an education company, especially online, because you're not in a classroom, people are not showing up, right? So many times they have to go through the course on their own and you know they have to show up to the online sessions and many people you know they have that motivation initially but then it fades and for us it's always been a it's always been one of our focuses is to try to find okay how can we constantly keep our you know our, our students or clients or customers engaged interested motivated and i think this is really one of the big questions that the online education space still has to solve right yeah, and i think yeah. Uh, it, it's been it's been a challenge for sure, but you know there are some ways that we found, like really reaching out personally to every single student, making sure that they understand that we're here to support them. Uh, you know, checking in with them, keeping it fun, running challenges in our groups, giving prizes, you know, things of that nature. For you, have you have you found that to be a challenge as well in your company, and and have you found any techniques or strategies to try to overcome it? Yeah. So yeah, what you're saying is spot on. I mean, online course completion rates are normally very, very low. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, most people just purchase it with the intention to do it, procrastination kicks in and then it never gets done. Mm -hmm. um, with Because of the nature of our course, so some courses is more about getting from A to Z, kind of going through the process of the course and then there's maybe not so much follow-up um, to do. Obviously with us, it's a language. Um, so you're learning a language and that requires constant practice, use of the language, uh, reviewing what you've learned and so on and so forth. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's been very important to, to keep students engaged, keep students active. Right. Alhamdulillah, we've a number of different ways that we do that. So our course, we, we call it a hybrid course. So it's a self-paced course, meaning it's pre-recorded. All the lessons are readily available 
to study at your own pace. But we also yeah. then have a lot of live kind of support and tuition going on. So we run weekly live classes for the students where they can attend and get interaction with other students and with the tutors. Um, and we also have a, a personal learner thread, which is essentially like a WhatsApp group between you and three, four of our tutors. We're always on hand to kind of answer your questions and help you with whatever you're specifically struggling with. Mm-hmm. Um, and students really enjoy that, really benefit from that, um, ask any questions that they have. Um, and, you know, whenever they're struggling, they might be on a particular lesson that they're struggling with the concept, tutors are on hand to kind of help them with that. Right. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's still a lot more work to be done to try and, try and encourage those who are maybe not as active, right. try and reel them back in and draw them back in. It's, it's an ongoing struggle. For sure. Yeah, that's one thing that we've noticed is really kind of keeping the students motivated. And that's that's one thing that you have to be be very creative and be customer obsessed and trying to find solutions and ways to make that happen. Yeah. Um, so right now, how many years has Arabic Unlocked been in operation? So from the moment you guys decided to launch to now, how many years have you guys been working on this? Um, so Arabic Unlocked, I think we were born around late 2019. So I think October around okay. October 2019. So it's, it's going on two years now. All right. Amazing, mashallah. And in those two years, is it still just you and your co-founder or did you have you now slowly started to build a team or is it just you both still working on most of it? No, no, alhamdulillah. We have a team of around, uh, including me and Ahmed, about eight people now. Mashallah. Very nice. That's amazing. And what has been your experience kind of building a team culture and an environment, you know, for your team where they are aligned with your mission and your vision, right? And you're all working on the same goal. Again, yeah, very good question. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna try and only say things, I'm gonna say something theoretically and then I'll I'll say what we're actually doing. Um, they don't right. always match up. So um, yeah, alhamdulillah, it's been, that's been a learning process for us going from two to, to eight. Um, there've been some chopping and changing along the way to, to try yeah. and get that right as well. Um, but I think, yeah, team culture specifically is definitely one of them things that doesn't just happen. You have to actively work on it, be aware of it. Um, it starts with, I'd say, hiring the right people. Um, and there's there's a lot of talk about core values and, um, you know, writing down your core values, getting very clear on them and hiring according to them. Um, we try to follow that framework. Um, when we have followed it, it's helped. And when we've kind of strayed away from it, it's kind of come back to bite us. Right. Um, so I would definitely recommend getting very clear on Core values in a very a concrete definition of the word. So not, you know, very wishy-washy kind of things you can't judge or measure. Um, so one of our core values, for example, is open, honest, and clear communication. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want people to, we don't care what your position is. We don't care who you are or who you're talking to. You, you should be, should have the comfort to speak your mind, say what's on your mind, whilst in combination with another, with another one of our core values, which is being respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, so say what you want to say, but let's not start fighting. Let's not start arguing and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, building team co- culture, I think started with hiring the right people according to the values, um, monitoring people. Cause you can only know so much about a person until you start working with them. So, uh, we normally have like a probationary period of, of, uh, three months at the beginning where we get to know people well. And the times that we've kind of actively monitored how they're doing according to the core values has worked out and the times we've been a bit lax um, and not paid too much attention to it and just being like task focused again has come back to bite us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely recommend that with regards to team culture and and then just actively working on it. Um, 
there's other things I can say, but we don't do any of them. So, <laughs> right. And <laughs> it's interesting what you said though, because you know, it, it is, it is a very, it's like a very delicate balance to, 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 to switch from a solopreneur or someone who's working on their business on their own. And probably many of the listeners of this podcast are in that position yeah. where then they, you know, transitioning to having a team and then, you know, developing that. And as you mentioned, it's not always easy to be fully focused on monitoring what your team is doing, because that means you're taking away time from what you should be doing. And as an entrepreneur, especially one that's starting their own business from scratch, you have the tendency to want to, you know, continue pushing forward, you know, as fast as possible and to continue, you know, reaching the next goal, the next milestone. And at the same time, dedicating time to, you know, monitor your team, support your team and, uh, you know, make sure that they're on the right track and they're aligned with your mission and values. That is also time consuming. And so switching from that solopreneur mindset where you do everything on your own to now recognizing that nurturing other people, nurturing your team to do their best and be at their best is part of that, is now part of like your role yeah. and a big part of it. It, it. There's an adjustment, right? There's an adjustment and it's not always an easy adjustment. It's not always clear. No, yeah, 100%. I think a, a, a couple of things which help in that regard is, um, so if you're, if you're hiring somebody, essentially it goes back to that concept of outsourcing. So you're taking a, an area of responsibility. When you start a company, you're everything. So you're the customer support person, you're the tech person, you're the designer, you're everything. When you're going to hire somebody, you're taking a set of responsibilities and you're handing it to them. Um, so one thing that's very good to do is, and there's a very good book that um, covers this kind of framework, which is the uh, the E-Myth. Uh, yeah. So the, the E-Myth talks about kind of compartmentalizing different responsibilities within the business. Um, so this is customer support. This is product development. This is, and building an organizational chart of all the different roles, because every company is slightly different. So if you're making bread, it's going to be different than if you're building an app. Um, but it's just as important in both scenarios. So building out this organizational chart, and then in the beginning, you put your name against everything. So you are all of them positions. Mm -hmm. Then when you go to hire somebody, you need to understand, right, who am I hiring and why am I hiring them? Am I hiring them for one, one uh, role here? Is it multiple roles? Um, is it half the roles? Like what, what am I hiring here? Um, because then it will dictate whether you look for somebody specialized or somebody who's a generalist. Right. Um, the other thing which helps is, again, this is a two, a two-sided coin. So you want to give up them responsibilities, um, but sometimes it's difficult to do that because you feel like, you know what, I could do a better job than this person. Um, so you end up micromanaging or you end up just, you know, constantly monitoring them or you end up going in and doing it yourself. Why did you hire them then? What was the point? Um, so you you definitely need to hire people who can do a better job than you or at least as good as you, but ideally better because then you'll have much more confidence in them. Um, but to do that, you need to know what you're hiring them for. So again, we had these issues where we hired people who were really good at one thing, but in reality, we needed them to do three things. And when they were really bad at the other two, we started having problems. Um, so having that clarity beforehand will make the process a lot easier and save you from a lot of the mistakes. Definitely hundred percent. I think that's where preparation is everything, right? And it's the same, even in business, when you think of launching your business, when you think of, you know, coming up with your business plan, coming up with an offer, a program, a course, a product that you want to sell. A lot of people think the challenge is, you know, the launch It's the marketing. Actually, the, the most important part really is the preparation. It's, you know, as you mentioned, here and 
number one, getting clear on your values, getting clear on your mission, getting, communicating that to them, ensuring that they are the right fit. And then also when you think of your business plan, your product, you know, understanding your customers, understanding your niche, what is the problems that they face? What are the challenges they face and how you can help them overcome it? So there's really a recurring theme here of developing a deep understanding of your customers and as well of your business as a whole so that you can accomplish those tasks efficiently, whether it's hiring, whether it's selling, creating products, all of it goes, ties into that, right? Yeah. And, and it's also that. actually just to, just to add a final point that I, was, I forgot to mention. Yeah. So when we're talking about getting clarity on the organizational structure, and it's very important to then understand what your own role is within that structure. So like I said, in the beginning, you're everything, but your objective is to either fall into one of them positions. So maybe you're a, you're a tech guy, you want to be the lead developer, that needs to be your position. You're going to have to outsource the rest of the stuff. So you're going to need a customer support guy. You might even need a, a project manager or a CEO to come in. For most founders, that is going to be the role that they need to fill. So they need to fill in that CEO role. Um, and then you need to hire everybody underneath that. Um, but understanding what that CEO, CEO role is, is very important. So you're not doing the day-to-day -day stuff. You're not working on the task. You're not in the trenches so much. Um, actually, what's the most important thing is getting the most out of your team. So everybody else's output is your output. Yeah. Don't think, oh, I need to do this thing. No, you need to make sure everybody's doing what they need to be doing so that the whole company as a whole moves forward. Um, and then you can make better decisions and you can kind of guide them where they need to go. Um, yeah. That's something, again, that we we really only recently started to get a lot of clarity on kind of enforced because it's very tempting when you've been doing stuff for a long time to just jump back in and start doing it. Um, but as I said, as you're expanding and as you're growing the team, you need to understand where your role is in within that team and what everybody else's role is. Yeah, definitely. No, that's mashallah. This is that part, by the way. Um, I, th I think I think we we need to kind of cut that and, and share that because that that in itself, if someone just remembers this from the entire episode, if they just remember that, this is a game changer in your business. If you specifically what you said of, you know, you're everyone else's output in your team becomes your output is, is so very true. Right. And in that, as a manager, as a leader, and there's a really great book about that. Um, it's um, forget it's one of the uh, like uh, leaders in IBM. He wrote a book on um, high, high, high output management. Yes. High output management. Thank you. High output management. And I read that book and it's a really great book. And he mentions in that book, you know, uh, something along those lines, right. Of as a manager, as a leader, your output is essentially the output of your entire team, yourself and everyone yeah. else who, you know, uh, essentially reports to you. And so the more you can nurture them, the more you can support them, the more effective they are, the more effective you are, right? Because yeah. it, it becomes, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, uh, exactly. essentially, which is really, really interesting. SubhanAllah, how that works. So, and I think it could even be, um, you know, chalked up to, you know, as Muslims, we know this, but really like Baraka. Right. Like when when a lot of people get together and they're on a mission and it's a noble mission and it's one where we're trying to achieve something that is halal, that is good, that is helping people, you know, progress or improve in a certain way. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we can hopefully, um, you know, try to attain that barakah together. Right. And when that barakah starts to flow in between a group of people that are working together, that's when the whole becomes greater than the sum of its parts, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. So what advice would you give, uh, Brother Asad, to entrepreneurs who wish to start their own business? Now that you've been in business for two years, 
what are some tips that you'd give for someone who's thinking of getting started on this journey? You know, something that they can maybe remember, they can hold on to, they can look out for. I know we've already given so much advice, but you know, something for aspiring, aspiring entrepreneurs. Yeah, I mean, there's a million on things I could probably say, but um, it's maybe not going to be the most succinct answer either. But uh, one thing I, again, is, is kind of the theme of what we've been discussing, but clarity is, is extremely important. Um, if you are going to go into business on something, um, you, you normally want to do something that, obviously, the reason you go into business is to make money, um, fundamentally. Um, but that can only take you so far. So you, you normally want to go in with the mindset that, right, if I worked on this thing for five years, 10 years and made no money whatsoever, would I still be happy? Would I still yeah. be content with the effort I've put in and where I was trying to head, even if I didn't get there? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he doesn't reward you for the end result. He rewards you for the intention. Mm -hmm. So if you are doing something that you can keep your intentions pure throughout, regardless of how your motivation is going up and down, then mm -hmm. that's going to give you the best chance of persevering when times get tough. Yeah. A good... Again, I don't want to do a whole talk on this separate. This is literally a separate talk I could give, but a good framework to kind of come up with this is the Ikigai concept, if you've heard of it before. Mm -hmm. um, if you Google it, literally, if you just write Ikigai, I-K-I-G-A-I in Google, and you go on images, you'll see this Venn diagram uh, with four circles. So you have what you enjoy, um, what you're good at, what you believe in as a cause, and what you can get paid for. I think getting clarity on these four areas is extremely important. So know what you're good at, know what you enjoy, and likewise, know the opposite, know what you're not good at, know what you don't enjoy, know what you believe in as a cause, right? So what what change do you believe should exist in the world? Everybody's going to have their own their own causes that they believe in and that they follow. And it's going to be more meaningful to, if, if my mother's passed away of cancer, then I'm going to care a lot more about cancer treatment and awareness and all this kind of stuff than somebody who who hasn't experienced that. Um, and then the final thing is, right, what business could I make off the back of this? For me, my Arabic Unlocked is my Ikigai, essentially. Right. Um, I know what I'm good at. I believe in this as a cause. Um, I, I absolutely enjoy business in general and also teaching Arabic and that kind of stuff. And then off the back of it, we've, we've tried to build a company. Um, so, yeah, getting clarity in, and building a business, which is your Ikigai, is is one of the ways to ensure that you have longevity in the effort regardless mm. of what the outcome is that's a that's a beautiful thing brother and i really like it and you know what i think uh i'm gonna research that because it's the first time i hear about this concept and right. uh, i've actually been to japan and i love everything japanese so um i can't believe this is the first time i hear about this so i'm definitely going to research it and, and and read up on it because i completely agree i think when you're aligned when you find that purpose that can drive you and when you find that alignment then everything else starts to fall into place and you really have a better chance of committing long-term than if you were to just come up with an idea and say, oh, this is going to make me a lot of money. I think I should do it because it's going to be very profitable. Mm -hmm. Instead of coming up with something that you feel like, oh, I'm passionate about this cause or about solving this problem or helping people achieve this thing or this goal. Yeah. Definitely. So we're going to dive uh, into some audience Q&A, inshallah, in the next few minutes. But before we do, there's a question that I ask every single guest that appears on uh, this podcast. And I'd love to share it with you as well. So, Brother Asad, if you could meet Asad from two years ago in 2019, and you could tell him one thing, you could tell him one thing, okay, so no cheating, that he could hold on to, kind of like a mantra, something that he could remember as he goes through this journey of, of building and launching Arabic Unlocked and, and creating this company, what would that one thing be? What would you tell him? 
you, you should have told me this before, so I could have thought more about this. But <laughs> no, okay. this it has, it's a surprise question. It has to be. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a good question. Actually, yeah, I suppose if I just abruptly met myself on the street, what would I say? Mm. Um, honestly, it would probably be something along the lines of um, to not lose track of why I'm doing all this in the first place. Mm. The reason is it's very easy to start justifying things along the way in terms of becoming imbalanced. So, you know what, um, I'll, when you start off, you have certain goals, right? I'm going to, I'm going to give this amount to charity. I'm going to help change this, that, and the other. And sometimes you kind of use the ends to justify the means. So, you know what, I won't go to the masjid today to pray Zohar. I'll just carry on working. Um, and inshallah, in six months time, when things are a bit better, I can start going back to the masjid, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, six months become 12 months, becomes one year. <laughs> and before you know it, um, that temporary sacrifices become your daily habit. Um, so I think it's very important to not allow the the end goal to justify the means um, in any way. Just don't lose track of why. At end of the day, all of this is to please Allah. Mm. Um, whatever the business is, whatever you're doing. Um, so why do anything that is contrary to that in any way whatsoever? Wow, that's beautiful, man. I just got the chills. Mashallah, that's beautiful, man. Because that that hit me very, very strongly as well. And when you put it that way. Right. A lot of times I could think of so many moments where I'm like, oh, let me delay prayer to the last minute. Let me, you know, yeah. do this and do that. Cause I'm like, I gotta get this done. I gotta complete this work. I gotta complete this task. Yeah. And to take a moment and pause and kind of reflect and think, wait, the reason why we're doing this anyway is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So why would we, you know, yeah, sacrifice that, put it to the side to work on the business? I've never thought of that before, which is surprising. We've had this podcast for over a year now, maybe probably two at this point. No one has ever said this before. And this really hit me like a ton of bricks. So it's like a lot for sharing that, brother. That was very impactful. I appreciate yeah. that. Just so, to add to that, actually, in yeah. on ahead. the business point of view, this actually applies in business as well, because people will justify all sorts of things in business. They'll make false claims in the advertising. They will, you know, rip people off they'll steal from people you know and it, that applies even more because the task stuff that's between you and allah but this stuff's between you and people and that stuff's going to come back to haunt you in the day of judgment so you need to be even more careful when it comes to that yeah 100 percent, definitely brother i completely agree and uh that's why i think it's important every every time we feel like our intention is lacking every time we feel like we don't we've lost track of our purpose we've lost track of that alignment it's important to sit down and actually again remap out what is my why why am i doing this what is the goal that i want to achieve how, how what is the best way for us to get there yeah. and it's an exercise that i find myself needing to do more than once every year yeah. just sitting down and then realigning myself with my goals because a lot of times you know as you go through the hustle and bustle of business and you're you're in the trenches sometimes it's hard to zoom out and then you know look at you know the far off destination yeah. so sometimes we have to take the time to do that it's important yeah, yeah. so we're going to dive to some audience q a inshallah there's a few questions that came in from uh, our viewers today that we'll answer um so one of them is a great question here from one of our uh, listeners on facebook they're asking how many hours of classes does it take for a non-native to learn the basics so i'm sure you guys have a probably a basic basics course that you can share here yeah so it it's a difficult question to answer because mm. there's a number of factors. So how do we define basics? Um, what's your current level of Arabic? Um, and what's your background? So it's very different than if I was talking to somebody who, for example, uh, speaks Urdu, 
because Urdu mm-hmm. has a lot of overlap with Arabic in terms of the script, in terms of the sounds. Most of the letters are the same, give or take. Uh, compared to somebody who knows absolutely like zero, and their mother language has zero, uh, mother tongue has zero overlap with Arabic. So there's no one number. Um, for if, if we're defining basics as a letter, we do have a Arabic alpha, uh, Arabic letters and lot course. Um, again, how many hours? The, the course is self-paced, so we have it at uh, three modules. I think the total number of class hours might be 15 or 20, uh, mm-hmm. broken down across all the lessons. But again, how many times you're going to repeat a specific lesson is entirely up to you. Um, again, this is a very common question because people are very impatient. So they just want to know, how long can I do it? Let's get it over and done with. Again, it's not so much about that. It's more about the process. As long as you're getting closer and closer to understanding the book of Allah, then fine. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be spending hundreds of hours and making no progress. Yeah, uh, That's actually one of the f- core kind of principles behind Arabic Unlocked existing is like we don't want to waste anybody's time in the learning process. We feel like a lot of the resources do that. Uh, a lot of courses do that. Um, so that's absolutely adverse to what we're trying to do. Uh, but yeah, there's no specific number, nor is it is it super important to try and fix right. it on that number either. Definitely, definitely. There's another question from our uh, viewers here, and it's, is Arabic considered to be one of the hardest languages for English speakers to learn? Which is an interesting question. I mean, in your through your research, what have you found in terms of Arabic as a as a language? Is it difficult? Is it one of the higher difficulty languages to learn? Um, so from a perception point of view, it's definitely perceived as being one of the most difficult languages. Normally because of, there's a couple of differences between English. So the script is completely different. It's actually right to left instead of left to right. Um, there's a number of sounds that don't exist in English, that exist in like Ayn and Kha and Ghain and this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think statistically, I think in terms of studies, yeah, it is considered to be more difficult for a, like an English speaker compared to an Urdu speaker, like I said, because of the overlap. Um, but all of this is, again, irrelevant. Um, if people can climb Everest in slippers, uh, in the case of Wim Hof, if you've heard of him, uh, the Iceman, I think he climbed, yes. he didn't reach the top, but he almost climbed the whole of Everest in slippers and shorts. If you can do yeah. that, you can learn Arabic. Like, it's not that hard. <laughs> Definitely. 100%. 100%, brother. It's all about commitment, right? Commitment. Yeah. How committed are you to actually achieving that goal? Um, and we'll take one more question. What are the tips and tricks you can share for learning Arabic vocabulary? So I'm sure there's some uh, in the course. So if you guys want to check out Arabic Unlocked to definitely go ahead and do that. But is there anything you could share with us on the fly? Yeah, so the the first thing I say is download our app because our app actually incorporates this. Um, but when it awesome. comes to learning vocab, there's actually a, a study on space repetition. Uh, so space repetition is where you space out how often you will review uh, vocab that you've learned. So normally if I said to you, let's, let's learn the meaning of a new word, I don't know, shajara means tree you're going to repeat that again and again and again and try and make it stick. Um, and then you probably won't review it for a while. Um, and what that does is is very little. So it, in the very short term, will make you remember the word. Maybe by the end of the day, you've already forgotten it. Um, mm. So there's a study on how by spacing out the repetitions just before you forget. Uh, so let's say this is like your memory of the word. As it hits down here, if you then review the word, it will bounce back up. And then this time it will decrease a lot slower and a lot less. So by spacing out how often you review the word, it slowly transitions into your long, long-term long memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, you can Google this space repetition and there's, there's studies done on how this improves your kind of uh, recollection of vocabulary. Uh, the system for that is actually built into the app. Um, so you don't have to worry about when do I need to review it and how often and all that kind of stuff. 
Right, that makes sense. So what can people expect actually if they download the app itself? So is it that they can go and sign up to courses? Do you guys have kind of like a lessons that they can take on the fly? What can people expect if they want to go download Arabic Unlocked? And is it available on iOS and Android? Is it on both? Yeah, iOS and Android. So we have awesome. two main two main ways that we help people in Arabic. We have our app and our academy. Uh, the app is more for learning on in a fun way, on the go, uh, you know, five minutes here, five minutes there. Um, it's, it does have a, a full curriculum starting from letters all the way to sentences and, and so on. Um, but it is in very, very small increments, bite-sized lessons, um, and it's a lot more gamified and fun. Somebody who wants to then go on to commit to studying Arabic, learning a little bit more of an academic fashion, um, has a bit more time and resources to commit to, to learning Arabic, then we will move them on to our academy where we have our tutors and our courses and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, for I'd, I'd recommend everybody download the app. Um, and tell all your friends and family to download it because it can help right. literally anybody at any level. Uh, and then those who are looking to get serious about learning Arabic and move on to the next level, then look into our online academy. Awesome, brother. So I was actually just about to ask that. So where can people go? Where should we take them to if they want to go ahead and get started with your programs, inshallah? So should there's the app. And then uh, what is your website? So we can share it as well with our with our listeners. Website is just arabiconlock.com. Beautiful. Um, same with the app. If you just go on your phone and just type Arabic Unlocked on the Play Store or the App Store, you'll find the app. Um, okay. And the app, the academy, everything is inshallah on the it's on the website. It should be straightforward to find. Awesome. So we'll go ahead and make sure to drop that uh, in the episode notes uh, as well so that you guys have the link. So check out the episode notes or the caption wherever you're watching or listening to this, inshallah. If not, just go on the App Store, uh, whether you have iPhone or a Samsung or Android, and uh, search Arabic Unlock, guys. Give it a download and check it out or go on ArabicUnlock.com. If one of your goals has been to learn Arabic and you've always felt that, you know, you don't really have, you know, the schedule or the room to work with a live tutor, you don't really right now know where to start. I think this is a great opportunity that you have at your hands to be able to go and benefit from these classes and these lessons they have available. So go ahead and check it out and definitely let me know what you think. So send me a DM and let me know what your thoughts are about the app or even reach out to our to Masood Arabic Unlocked on Instagram and uh, let them know, inshallah, what you feel about uh, their their programs. Inshallah, is there anything, inshallah, is there anything else that... Uh, that uh, we should share with uh, with our listeners today, or should we leave it at that to go download the app and go on the website? Yeah, I think if they do that, then they'll get more than enough of an idea. Awesome, beautiful. So go ahead and do that, guys. And again, Jazakallah khair, uh, brother Assad, for joining me today. Honestly, this discussion has taken many different directions, some that I didn't expect, like the importance of building a team and you know, even the importance of knowing your why and you know, aligning with your mission and values. So many interesting. Uh, discussions, mashallah, so much to benefit from. So I really appreciate you joining me on this podcast and sharing your experience with us today. Jazakallah khair. Well, yeah, appreciate you for having us, inshallah. Appreciate you, brother. And uh, you guys know the drill. So inshallah, if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, take one minute of your time, if possible, if you have that in your schedule, to just give us a subscribe and rate the podcast. Let us know what you feel about it. Are you enjoying it? Did you get some value? And of course, uh, follow us on your favorite social platform. We're everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and send me a DM. Let me know what your thoughts are about the podcast. Um, give us a follow and you know, just interact with us. We always want to hear more about what you guys think about these episodes and how we can improve them and always bring you value, inshallah. And of course, if you'd like help with starting your own business, and taking your business to the next level. You can book a call with us for free. That's going to be umarpreneur.com slash call. We'll also drop the link in the comments. It's umarpreneur.com slash call. If you want to speak to me or my team to get help on starting or growing your own business, inshallah. Until then, we'll see you next episode.
السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته